Alrighty, well, welcome back to the Mother Daughter Disney Podcast. I'm here with my amazing mother. <laughs> I like that introduction. <laughs> you want to say your name? Jeanette. Yeah. So yeah, so we're here together. So we're here for another episode. I'm so excited for this episode because we're going to start a new little like mini series here on the podcast where we're going to do a deep dive into all of the pavilions at Epcot. So, of course, I feel like in the episodes past, we've talked a lot about Epcot and the surrounding areas of Epcot. If you've been listening, and I hope you have been, we are big Epcot fans, big Epcot people. So, but yeah, we've been longtime lovers of Disney. Epcot is my favorite park. Which do you think is your favorite park? Well, yes, it's my favorite park to be in all day because it has so much to do and so much to see and relaxing and fun. And Animal Kingdom tends to be my more favorite park to see because I just love the feel of Animal Kingdom. No, that makes a good point. But I never spend a whole day in Animal Kingdom, so. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm so excited because I have done a lot of research notes for this podcast to go into this deep dive for the Italy Pavilion. I want to note that some of my sources include, and I will link all of my sources in the description as well, is Walt Disney World Info, Wikipedia, honestly, Wikipedia had a lot of information, Yesterland, Wander Disney, and All Ears. So again, all of my sources will be linked in the description. And then some of this information I also just happen to know simply because I have been been very fortunate to go to Italy in the past. So some of this I, I kind of just pulled from my memory from when I was in Italy. So yeah, so you ready to get started? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, we're recording in my parents' house right now and my cat is also here. So if you hear her in the background, don't mind her. I think she's going to knock over an Easter decoration. That's okay, she's going to knock over <laughs> so, an Easter bunny, it's fine. Yeah, but she can she can do what she wants. Yeah. So All right, so yeah, and we're starting with the Italy Pavilion too because, I again, if you listen to our restaurants episode, we both picked the restaurants in the Italy Pavilion as some of our top restaurants. My mom is fully Italian, so yeah, so I mean, like, Italian culture is very much part of our family. So uh, yeah, so let's get started. All right, so the Italy Pavilion was one of the original pavilions that opened with Epcot on October 1st in 1982. If you're facing the World Showcase, it is the fifth pavilion from the left. So again, if you're facing the pavilion, Germany is to the left and America is to its right. There are multiple cities represented in Italy. The main cities are Venice, Rome, Florence, and Naples. So most of Italy is actually on Northern Italy or Central Italy, and there's not a lot from Southern Italy really at all which I thought was kind of interesting. Mm. So I thought Southern Italy would be represented somewhere, but most of it is actually Northern okay. Italy. I've not even realized And even that. some of the areas is more from the Tuscany region, which is, they con- Italy considers that to be Central Italy, but that's actually, to me, it looks like Northern Italy if you look at the map. So yeah, but a lot, definitely not from Northern Italy and a lot from Venice. I would argue to say that the majority of the pavilion is Venice. Yes, so. that's what you feel, especially when you, on both sides of the walkway, because they have the boats out by yeah. the, the things and stuff. And Amanda did all this research. I'm kind of just here as yes the, my uh, mom is here so i'm kind of telling my mom about this because yes. i'm excited because some of this is really interesting mm-hmm. all right so if we're walking up to the italy pavilion from let's say the if again if you're facing the world showcase when you first get to epcot from the left side so we're walking up from the germany side mm-hmm. so you first see on your right side if you turn to the right is the ponte della palia sorry my cat is really trying to knock stuff over don't now worry about, don't worry about her <laughs> she's so interested in that bunny though it's so yeah funny. of course she's been here for a whole day and now oh. she's interested in it okay <laughs> All right, so yeah, so if you're walking up to the Italy Pavilion from Germany, on the right-hand side towards the, the lake of the World Showcase, you'll see the Ponte della Paglia. So this represents one of the Venetian bridges that you'd see in Venice. So again, if you're facing the pavilion, you know, again, turn around. This is just a replica of what the Venetian bridges look like. And as well as you go into the water, you'll see the poles and you'll see some of the famous gondolas that you'd also see in Venice. 
So you notice that all these gondolas are black. That is because in Venice, all the gondolas are black. <laughs> so they were once colorful and ornate, but in the 17th century, a doge, which the doge at the time was basically the leader of Venice, enacted in a law <laughs> to eliminate competition between nobles. So all the fancy gondolas were all painted, just simple black. But even if you go, I have been to Venice, I've been very fortunate to go to Venice. So if you do go to Venice, all the gondolas are black, but they are decorated with different you know, embellishments, usually gold, I would say. Yeah, most of it was gold and, some, and the seats were usually red was the thing so they were all black okay. with red seats like red like velvety seats and then the gold embellishments and they had different you know italian symbols on all of them as well and the poles usually too are all different colors as well mm. so all right so now for facing the pavilion again you can see in saint mark's campagnole which is the 83 foot bell tower that is of course a scaled down replica of the real bell tower in saint mark's square in venice so in epcot the bell tower is 83 feet tall which is about seven and a half stories and the real one is 323 feet tall, okay. <laughs> which is about almost 30 stories. So quite scaled down for yes. sure, <laughs> which is wild. Still looks think. big while you're there though. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. Yeah, definitely it's impressive to look at, especially when you're looking at the skyline of the World Showcase. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's one of the tallest structures of the World Showcase is the bell tower. And in real life, if you do go to Venice, there is an elevator. So you do not have to walk up all 30 stories to get to the top. You can just take the elevator that, you know, shoots you right to the top. So again, back in Epcot, at the top of the bell tower, the bell tower does feature an angel replica of the Archangel Gabriel, complete with a gold leaf, mm -hmm. which I really appreciate that because guests can't really see that angel at the top of the bell tower, nor the actual gold leaf, but they actually did copy that from the real bell tower mm -hmm. in Venice. They do. Pay attention to detail. They do. And there is a replica of the Archangel Gabriel that's further into the pavilion that's on the right. All right, we're coming back now. My, my cat decides now while we're recording to be destructive. So. All right, so next up is the Doge's Palace. The Doge's Palace is the light pink and white building on the left side of the pavilion. This building is built in the traditional Venetian Gothic style of architecture, which that art Venetian Gothic style is actually influenced by many other different types of architectural styles, especially from the, I'm going to say this wrong, the Byzantine styles from Byzantine. Constantinople, Byzantine. Yeah, especially influenced from them since at the time they were doing a lot of trade and a lot of business with Constantinople. The real Doge's Palace in Venice was built in 1340 and at the time it is where the doge or the leader of venice before venice was part of italy of course would live and rule so in real life this building is massive mm. it is absolutely gigantic as you can imagine it's a palace so it really is the size you know of what you'd imagine like a large type of palace would be and i have been to the doge's palace before so if you go inside there is an entire courtyard in the middle of the doge's palace and again this building you know the doge and his family would live here as well as you know conduct a lot of different politics meetings with from people from all over of Europe. This building also features one of the largest rooms in Europe at the time. It's called the Chamber of Scrutinio. Yeah, in 1532, it was decided that this chamber would also hold the electoral counting and would mark the rhythm of a lot of the Venetian politics that was going around. And again, at the top of this room, if you ever get to visit, features all the portraits of every doge that Venice had ever had. The last doge in Venice was Ludovico Manin, who was abdicated, who abdicated in 1797 when Napoleon invaded for the first time. It wasn't until 1866 that Venice joined with the rest of Italy. And after Venice joined with the rest of Italy, the Doge's Palace had then been turned into a museum and continues to be a major landmark in Northern Italy. I believe they still use the Doge's Palace for some like political meetings and things. Like they'll still have events at the Doge's Palace, but for the most part, it's a museum now. <laughs> so, and inside the Doge's Palace in Epcot, it features Il Bel Cristallo and La Gemma Elegante, which are two gift shops. <laughs> so, <laughs> so from yeah, of course, where, yeah, where the Doge used to live and work now is two gift shops here in Epcot. 
And these gift shops feature an array of Italian goods, such as Italian perfumes, bags, clothing, and jewelry. Further back into the gift shop as well, you can also purchase authentic Venetian masks for the Carnavale di Venezia. And this is basically Venice's version of Mardi Gras. So it takes place, you know, around the same time of Mardi Gras. And they also used to have a lot of the soccer gear as well soccer, in the yeah. store. Right. Yeah. So if you wanted to purchase like the, because Italy is very big into soccer, soccer or football, as they would call. And their jewelry, a lot of their jewelry is your Murano glass that yeah. you went to see while you were there. Yeah. So Murano glass is, Murano is basically like an island that's part of Venice and they're they're famous for the Murano glass, of course. And so yes, yeah, so they do have some of the Murano glass jewelry. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. What else do they have that's there? I don't know. Uh, perfume, shaka. Yeah, the Venetian mask, but the Murano jewelry is a big thing because like all the earrings, all the necklaces, I remember is all that little blown, yeah, blown, blown glass. glass. Yeah, for sure. And they do have also some of like Epcot Italy stuff too, like things with Minnie Mouse on it too. So it's not all oh, just like yeah. Italy stuff. Right. Minnie Mouse is also there too. Yeah, they put a little <laughs> so. bit of that in there. But that, that gift shop especially is mostly towards the Italian fair. And we, we've bought pocketbooks there because yeah. they're beautiful. They're made of really good leather. Very nice, very things that you don't find in any yeah. other store except in those because they're being imported from Italy. Yeah, no, for sure. So it's a good gift store. <laughs> so, All right, so now again, for facing the pavilion, you will see the columns of San Marco and San Teodoro. So these two columns are also located in Venice as well. So one is the column of the lion, which features a winged lion at the top. This was St. Mark's symbol, and St. Mark is one of the patron saints of Venice. He's actually, I don't want to say buried, but he is there in Venice if you go to the Basilica. And is the winged lion was also the symbol of the Venetian Republic. So if you ever get to go to Venice, which I would highly recommend if you're ever, ever able to, you will see lots of lions in Venice. Lions are everywhere because of St. Mark and because of the Venetian Republic. And again, the second column is of San Teodoro, and he is believed to be one of the first protectors of Venice. So these columns were originally the entrance to Venice. So it's a city, of course, on water. You would arrive in Venice on your little boat or, you know, well, it had to be a boat because they can't pull ships into the harbor there. So you arrive into Venice on your little boat and you would see the magnificent Doge's Palace and these two large columns with these big symbols on top of them. And I believe the symbols, and if you go to Venice again, the actual statues that are on top have actually been since removed and are inside of one of the museums now because, you know, just with water erosion and climate change and things like that, they were wearing away. So there's actually replicas in Venice now that's outside, but the, the true statues are still inside being protected and preserved. So the Venetians actually have a saying that many mothers will say to their children or their husbands when they're being naughty is that I'll show you what time it is or te fasta vadir mi que ora que which refers to to when the convicted criminals in Venice would be executed for their crimes between these two columns. So between the two columns of you in Venice, you would look up and you would see the clock tower dire- directly across from you. And that is so the criminals, the convicted criminals would see their final hour before they were executed. And now it's considered to be bad luck to walk between the columns. So again, kind of just a little Venetian saying. Right, which most people don't know because hundreds and thousands of people are walking between those columns every day. Right. Well, yes, but yeah. So many mothers will tell their children being naughty. I'll show you what time it is to say it's like, you know, it's like, you know, just to say you gotta stop being naughty. Right. So, <laughs> so again, coming back out of if you're standing in front of the pavilion, on the right side of the pavilion, you will see the Enotica Castello Banfi, and this building's on again on the right side when you're facing the pavilion. The Enotica is a wine shop and it literally means wine repository. And the Castello Banfi is one of the largest wineries in Tuscany. So you actually can stay at the Castello Banfi Resort in Tuscany. It is about a two hour drive south of Florence or three hours north of Rome. And Tuscany is considered to be central Italy, but if you look at the map, it's more of like central northern Italy, if we're being mm-hmm. honest. Um, 
and Florence is the capital of Tuscany. And I mention this because the building itself doesn't actually look like Castello Banfi. It looks more like the traditional architecture that you would see in the region, such as in Florence. Right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Again, a lot of from central and northern mm-hmm. Italy rather than southern, southern Italy. Italy. So if you're facing the building sort of further down on the building to the right, there is a drinking fountain with some flowers that are usually in it. And above the fountain, the tiles read Alla Salute, which is a popular cheers type of saying. So if you're going to cheers your wine, such as you go into the Enotica, you get some wine and then you cheers your wine and you see Alla Salute, which literally translates to to health. So you're saying to health to each other. On the side of the building, there is a sign that reads Via Benvenuti, which again literally translates to Welcome Street. But this is also how many street signs in Italy look. So there will actually be signs on the building themselves like this, rather than the signs that we have that are a bit more external from buildings, so to speak. And I believe also the KitKat location is located behind the Enotica. So it's sort of hidden away back there. But if you're looking for the KitKat location, that's where it would be. Mm. (laughs) So in the center of the pavilion, there is a circular stage type of area. And this mimics what a lot of common piazzas in Italy basically look like. So they're really just common areas for people to gather in. The Italy Pavilion does have a performer named Sergio. He's an Italian street performer who will come out, he'll do juggling, he'll do a mini show, he'll do like mime type of stuff in a little stage area. He's usually not in the stage area. Usually he's like right in front of it. Right in front because he's catching attention because then he also takes in kids from the audience yeah. and different people to get involved in his act, right? Yeah, so he's not always on the stage area mm-hmm. itself. And during the Flower and Garden Festival, this area usually is lined with lots of different flowers mm-hmm. and different fauna. And depending upon the year, sometimes you will see Lady and the Tramp. Sometimes their topiaries will be right on the stage area. Sometimes they'll be external to the pavilion. It depends where. But Lady and the Tramp are the two topiaries for this pavilion. Area is also a great place to get married. <laughs> so I've seen oh, okay. lots of people I mention that, that they get married in this area, especially on that little stage area. Mm-hmm. It's kind of set up for that and the overall just say this little stage area if you think about it is kind of empty like it's kind of just there there's no seating in the middle of the area there's really nothing particularly to do in this area right mostly people just walking and coming and going yeah it's a good place to take photos and stuff like that but again there's because again if you go along the side like behind the enotica there's a lot of seating so there's like chairs tables umbrellas you know you can sit in the shade and then if you go even further behind there there's like more of like a garden-ish type of area Mm -hmm. And when I looked at an old map, that gardenish area behind the Enotica used to be a smoking section. And I was oh, like, oh, okay. that's interesting. Yeah, those were all gone. Right? Yeah, back in the day when you could smoke in the parks, mm-hmm. now you're no longer able to smoke in the parks. There's smoking sections outside of the parks in the parking lots. <laughs> yeah, but back in the day, that was a smoking section. I thought that was interesting because now it's kind of nothing to a certain extent. Again, it's just extra seating and it does get shady because you're right by like a wall of like trees. Right. And, so if you need a respite from the, yeah, the sun, yeah, so, Epcot, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. So... And again, if you're in that area too, you may you may catch the Fontana di Natuno. Mm-hmm. There's actually a sign that says Fontana di Natuno. So again, this is before you go to the restaurants. And so again, it's just on the right side. It's basically at the edge of like where Via Napoli would basically start. So this fountain is depicting a, the Roman god Neptune, and he's holding a trident and a conch shell next to two large fish that are next to him. Mm-hmm. These are technically dolphin fish, such as the dolphin fish on top of the dolphin resort, which is mm-hmm. kind of interesting. So, all right, this is going to be quoted directly from Yesterland, and I'm quoting this because he, the Yesterland quoted from The Imagineering Field Guide to Epcot at Walt Disney World by Alex Wright. I do not have that book, if I'm being honest, so that's why I'm quoting within a quote here, because mm-hmm. it's very interesting. Yeah, this is them talking about the Italian Baroque sculptor that inspired the Imagineer's sculpture and fountain. So the Fontana di Natuno is intended to capture the spirit of the work of the prolific Renaissance sculptor, artist, and architect Gian Lorenzo Bernini, but is not based on any particular piece. 
So I thought that was very interesting mm. because the piece itself, when you, for instance, some of the inspiring, the inspiration fountains were the Fontana di Trevi, the Fontana del Notuno, and the Fontana del Tritone. And again, these three fountains were all sculpted by different people, but they are all in the Baroque style of sculpture that Bernini is credited for. And I thought that was interesting because most people would think that this fountain is just based on the Trevi Fountain in Rome, but right, it's not. Because we've seen the Trevi Fountain in Rome yeah. in person, and when you look at it, that's the first thing you see is yeah. that it looks just like the Trevi Fountain. Yeah. So if you look at the Trevi Fountain versus the the Fontana di Natuno in Epcot, the the statues are not the same. Right. Okay. <laughs> and they're I'm not holding the same. Look next time. Yeah, they're not holding the same items. For instance, I think the one the Trevi Fountain, he's only holding the trident. He's not holding the conch shell. Oh, okay. That's also because the conch shell comes from a different Roman god for the god of the okay. ocean rather than the god of the sea. So they're kind of combining everything into one detail. You would never know just by walking through. So yeah, so they kind of, I mean, like I'm sure in Italy, there's lots of fountains in Italy depicting mm-hmm. different oh, yeah, everywhere. <laughs> so, so I kind of like that they didn't mm-hmm. just pick one, but I mean, like if you look at it, it's pretty obvious that if you've ever seen the Trevi Fountain, I mean, like obviously it's much smaller than the Trevi Fountain. It's right. like just oh, one yeah, person. Definitely. Yeah, the Trevi Fountain has many different people. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. So there are a few different eateries here in the Italy Pavilion. The first, of course, is Tutu Italia. So this is along the right side of the pavilion. And I thought I'd just note here that between the Doge's Palace and Tutu Italia, there's a little bit of space between the buildings. And it's a very lovely little space. It features like a big staircase and it looks very like Italian. And it's a great place to take photos in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just want to point that out. So Tutu Italia itself is decorated with murals, frescoes, and carrara marble, which was a popular marble for buildings in Rome at the time. The menu features traditional Italian type dishes, such as, you know, pastas, lasagnas, things like that. There is indoor and outdoor seating, and they serve lunch and dinner. And again, currently there are no Disney dining plans being sold right now. But back in the day, it used to cost one table dining credit. But again, whatever the dining plans in the future look like, I guess we'll see. And you do need a reservation for Tutu Italia. Yes. Yeah, you cannot get in this res- in the restaurant no. without a reservation. And again, this is my top restaurant for Disney World. I, I absolutely love Tutu Italia. That pasta. I would definitely <laughs> recommend Tutu Italia any day. I think it's one of the best. <laughs> so... Next to Tutto Italia, you have Tutto Gusto Wine Cellar. So again, this is attached to Tutto Italia and essentially is a selection of wine. And they have a smaller menu than Tutto Italia. It used to be you, very separate. I think now it's all part of the same thing. They don't really, you're not allowed to like go in there and order food as opposed to when yeah. it used to be where you can go in there and get like small plates. Yeah, so there is no reservation still for them, so you can just walk in. Um, however, obviously, because it's in a reservation, there can be very long waits for this area. And, you know, again, people are kind of drinking, so it's not, I think, as, so maybe not as fast sometimes as mm-hmm. going out to dinner and then leaving afterwards because people are sitting there enjoying wine, maybe ordering, you know, a plate of cheese and meats or something like that. But yeah, but there is Tutto Gusto Wine Cellar. And then, of course, in the back of the pavilion, there is Via Napoli. So Via Napoli is in the Florentine architecture and has and serves authentic Napolitan cuisine. So they have three wood-burning ovens named after the three active volcanoes in Italy. Do you remember what the volcanoes are called? Etna, Vesuvio, and I can't remember the third. Shodomboli. Okay. <laughs> yes. And do not remember the third. No, for sure. Yeah. And the, the wood burning ovens are actually decorated as well to kind of look like, yes, you know, the faces. Three. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of fun to, to see. Mm-hmm. Inside of the restaurant, there is a long communal table in the center of the room. This table is actually built in Florence and it features hand painted tiles mm-hmm. that are depicting different iconic monuments in Italy. So I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And then some other notable features of the restaurant are its high vaulted ceilings. It has all imported ceramics and blown glass, such as the Murano glass. Murano glass can also make chandeliers. So many of the chandeliers are imported from Murano itself. And there is abundance, again, of windows that, you know, flood this area with a lot of natural light. So Vianopoli was one of my mom's favorites. So yeah, I forget I which it's order fun. came. But yeah, we I both, love the service in there too. They're always, 
very friendly. Yeah, very, for sure. <laughs> very funny, very friendly, very talkative, like you're used to seeing like when we went to Italy, how friendly all yeah. the servers were. And Via Napoli also imports their water. It's actually imported from Pennsylvania because apparently water in Pennsylvania has the same softness as the oh, water okay. in Naples does. <laughs> okay, and that's so, something Yeah, so they import their water from elsewhere so that okay. you get more authentic tasting, you know, bread because obviously water is very important in right. bread. That's why New York water is quite famous. Yes, because so. New York bread is really good. <laughs> and the last eatery in the Italy Pavilion is La Giadatira Toscana. So this is a newer little, little thing that they've added recently. And it's located in the front of the pavilion right to the right and they serve gelati sorbetti they also have a lot of different italian pastries like cannolis or zeppolis and they also have a selection of beer wine and coffee mm -hmm. they can have quite the long line at night like before the fireworks so the line does move quickly but there is a menu that's sort of to the side so if you can't get up close you're not sure if you want to go there there is a menu to the side that you can like get to decide if you're going to get gelato or not I will say I've had the gelato from here and it's very good. Very, very good gelato. So I definitely would recommend it if you want that little ice cream fix. And also in the World Showcase is one of the few spots to get ice cream in a cup like that. There's really only France and Italy, the main two places. There's really no other places to no, get like no, a cup of ice, ice cream. Yeah, you can get ice cream bars and stuff. Yeah, like you can get sweets, you know, in every pavilion, of course. Mm. But to get a cup of ice cream, this is a great place to go to. And of course, gelato is amazing. So... Mm. All right, and then my last little tidbit for our deep dive was that there was supposed to be a phase two of the Italy Pavilion after it opened. And in phase two, there was supposed to be, rather where Via Napoli is, there was a rumored ride that was going to be added to the pavilion and would have been a gondola dark ride that would have taken guests through the Roman ruins. Oh, wow. And I thought that would have been so that cool. That would have been cool. Yeah, if they added a gondola dark ride, I'm like, that mm. would have been amazing. Although those seats would be so small. small. <laughs> that line would be so long. I know, right? It's like those <laughs> trying well, to load those boats. Yes. I guess in a way, the gondolas would look like the way mm -hmm. the ride looks, the, the boat ride looks like in Norway. So it'd be a similar type of like because then we like the boats in Norway kind of look like on right. the list to a certain yes, extent. Yes, they did, right. Yeah, so I imagine it would look something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wish they would have done that because I think that would have been, cool. been so cool if there was a ride in mm -hmm. the Italy Pavilion because as of right now, there's no other entertainment shows or rides in Italy. No. It's just Sergio. He's the main Sergio's there and <laughs> the if you want to go into the wine shop and drink. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, but again, Italy Pavilion is one of our favorites to go to. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, you know, we always go there. We always yeah, we don't photos. mind spending time there. Yeah, it's fun to sit there too. There's lots of benches outside of mm -hmm. the Doge's Palace lots as well that we love to sit at. Yeah. At the real Doge's Palace, the arches are much higher and there are no benches. So I was kind of sad when I was in Venice that I didn't get to oh, sit by the Doge's Palace. Yes. There's benches elsewhere in that area, but not like right by the Doge's mm -hmm. Palace because it's so busy because there's the lines always long to get into the Doge's Palace, of course. The Doge's Palace and that whole area, of course, looks out over the lagoon in Italy the same way that in, you know, the World looks Showcase it looks over the World late. Showcase. So. Well, also when we were talking about the gift shop in the, in the wine gift shop, they have housewares and t-shirts mm -hmm. and that has yeah. a little bit more of the... Yeah, they've the Sort of, taste of home. Yeah, they've sort of updated that gift shop because mm -hmm. before it was really just, just wine. wine. And now, yeah, now they still serve wine, of course. Yes, yeah, so you, you can, can still, still buy, buy bottles wine. of wine and yep. bring them home and yeah. do whatever. But now they also sell like mm -hmm. some plates, some like aprons, right. napkins, things like that. Right, which and that Italian, like lemon, the yeah. whole lemon mm -hmm. motif and different pastas, yeah. things like that. Yeah, so they definitely upgraded some mm -hmm. of their areas a little bit, which is really great. And yeah, the Italy Pavilion, one of our favorites. So this is really fun to go into because a lot of the stuff I didn't know about the Italy no. Pavilion. No, and like I said, they take they 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 take so much detail that you don't you miss it because you're mm -hmm. so busy doing this, doing that, doing the other thing. Now that you stop to look and stop to to, to figure it out, it does show you how much detail they yeah. really go into. No, for sure, I have to buy one of those books too, like the Imagineering books, mm -hmm. to see what else they've said about the different areas of the pavilion. And yeah, again, if you've been to the pavilion, I I have missed anything. Definitely. Let 
me know on Instagram, you know, comment, send us an email or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cause I love to know all the other little details. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's so fun to learn about the pavilions and learn where these buildings come from, where they are inspired from, just everything about them. Again, it, I love, just love Epcot. So yeah, I feel, I feel sad that we were robbed of that ride. I hope, I feel like there's still space if they wanted to do a ride. They probably could if they really yeah. wanted to. So if you're standing facing Via Napoli and you go all the way to the left of the building, there is like a little alcove where there's just like one bench. I kid you not, one bench. And mm-hmm. It's in a little alcove oh. next to it though. So in my head, that could be like the secret entrance to the, the gondola ride. <laughs> I think they have so many other things going right now that I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Yeah, probably not, but still would have been cool, so... Mm. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So that was our, our little deep dive into the Italy Pavilion. All right. Let's get into some Disney news now. <laughs> so, okay. All right. So by the time this episode comes out, especially the annual passes are back. So if you have been waiting to buy your annual passes, DVC owners were able to purchase them on April 13th. But later this week on April 20th, they will be available to everyone. So there are going to be four annual passes available for people to purchase. We have the Disney Pixie Dust Pass, the Disney Pirate Pass, the Disney Sorcerer Pass, and the Disney Increda Pass. So the Disney Pixie Dust Pass and the Disney Pirate Pass are for Florida residents only. And the Disney Sorcerer Pass is for Florida residents and DVC members only. And then the Disney Increda Pass is for all guests and there is no blockout days with the Disney Increda Pass. So that is basically the top tier pass that you can get. So if you've been waiting to get your annual pass, now is the time. Definitely go make sure you grab yourself the Pixie Dust, Pirate, Sorcerer, or Pass. Another uh, little bit of Disney news is that a new line of Disney Munchlings are coming out. So those are those little plushies that mm-hmm. look like Cute the characters. Things, yeah. <laughs> they also look like food. So the next line is going to be Street Food Fusion Disney Munchlings. So it will feature Minnie Mouse as a pepperoni pizza. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> pepperoni pizza and Parmesan cheese, I think it says. There is going to be a Pearl Moki Beignet Sunday and with cereal sprinkles. A Dante Mexican hot chocolate and cinnamon. Mm. And I forget, there's a, there's a few others, of course. There's also a chip falafel pita pocket, a Dale falafel pita pocket, and a squirt concha bread ice cream sandwich. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. lots of cute little things. And I think Orange Bird also has one as well. Yeah, so Orange Bird is also going to be featured as a Orange Bird citrus infused cupcake. <laughs> so okay. very cute if you're into the munchlings. I know a lot of people are waiting for the wishables to come back and the munchlings have basically taken over the wishables. So kind of sad if you were big wishables fan but i feel like they're very similar it's basically the same thing as the wishables but yeah, just, they just another thing like to say hurry up you have to go get all of them yeah so <laughs> i did so i i did get the one of the munchlings i have the baymax s'more munchling and i thought he was just so cute the little s'more one like i still look at him every day i'm like oh, what a cute little s'more it's like and i love baymax you know from big hero six so that's great All right, and the last little bit of Disney news. Again, this is a a bit of a pre-recorded episode, so this came out a few weeks ago now, but still pretty relevant, so, is that there was recently the Star Wars celebration in Europe, so there was a lot of Star Wars news that came out of this. So the biggest news was that there is going to be a new Star Wars movie featuring our beloved Rey, which I'm so excited about. So Rey from our favorite character and all of the favorite characters from the sequels are all coming back. This new movie is going to be set 15 years after the rise of Skywalker, so after the final movie of the main nine movies. And we'll be featuring Rey rebuilding the Jedi Academy. So that'll be really exciting. And then they also just kind of updated everyone on the Star Wars TV shows that are coming out. So the Ahsoka, the official teaser trailer for Ahsoka came out, which I'm very excited for. I love Ahsoka Tano. And they also had some more press for the Acolyte. 
Andor and Skeleton Crew, which are three other shows, of course, for, for Star Wars. And the big thing, I mean, like I love Andor as well. And I'm very excited for the Acolyte and Skeleton Crew. So basically, I just love Star Wars. So my mom's not a big Star Wars fan. No. So <laughs> <laughs> No, nothing about Star Wars. Don't want to know anything about Star Wars. Yeah, but the big thing was that movie because I didn't mm-hmm. think they were ever going to do another Skywalker type mm-hmm. of line again. But if they're continuing on, I'm here for it because I love Ray, love Daisy Ridley. So I'm, I'm excited for that. All right, and before we get to our Disney memory to close out the podcast, I thought a new mini segment of the podcast could be to do Disney birthdays. So I have looked up that this week when, again, the podcast episode is coming out, I thought every week we could wish happy birthday to the different Disney characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, just for fun. Just something I thought was interesting. Although then when I looked it up, there's like no birthdays in April. Oh, okay. There's <laughs> like not that many birthdays in April. So yeah, so this one isn't even this week. This one would have happened on Saturday last week. But Huey, Dewey, and Louie's birthday is on April 15th. And they first premiered in Disney on April 15th, 1938. Oh, wow. So, of course, these are the three nephews of Donald Duck. 1938. So, of course, they would be 85 years old this year if they were aging in real life. I thought they were younger than that. Okay. Yep. No, 85 years old. Of course, they depict about 10 to 12 years old, you know, the characters themselves. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, April 15th. And it's actually disputed of when their actual birthday is. So, if you just Google Huey, Dewey, and Louie's birthday, it says April 15th. But there is some conflicting information because one of the cartoons once referenced the three boys as Leo's and a Leo birthday is in August so I mean like now their birthday is in April and there's also something else conflicting that their birthday was in October so I don't know their birthdays are a bit conflicting so they're a bit weird one to start right. on being like happy birthday to Huey, Dewey, and Louie okay. if their birthday is April 15th but okay. again on the DisneyBirthdayFandom.com it's April 15th, 15th. so that's what all we're right. going with <laughs> alright I feel bad you haven't talked at all mom but my mom's going to be the, the main feature of next week's episode so alright what is your your Disney memory a Disney memory I guess I'll do it of the, the two, of the Italian pavilion I remember remember when we went for your graduation how we all were hanging out and we just took a bit picture on that bridge of us and our friends from that lived down in Florida and Amanda's friend had been with us my best friend Shannon had been with us on the on the trip and I remember that picture of just standing on that bridge and we all just took this really great picture of all of us just hanging out and relaxing and it was one of those times when you weren't running from one place to another you were just enjoying the the spot yeah, for sure. No, that was a good memory too. All right, my memory comes from New Year's Eve that we went to Tutu Italia one year. It's just me, my mom, and my dad at the mm. Tutu Italia on New Year's Eve. So this is very common for most restaurants on New Year's Eve, not even just in Disney. Oh God, yeah. But they tend to do preset menus on New Year's Eve because, of course, the influx of people that they would need to serve, you know, get, get in, food, get, get out, out is just very high. So they do, you know, more of that prefix menu just to speed things up a bit. So we went there. We went there for an early dinner because we were like, no, we're going to get it early. So we're not, you know, there at like eight o'clock, nine o'clock with the big dinner rush or anything. So as we're sitting there, we order our food and, you know, we order our appetizers and they come out, you know, less than two minutes. Oh, it's like, like they went through a revolving door. We were like, whoa, that was quick. <laughs> it's like, it's like we didn't even like finish saying what we wanted and suddenly it was coming out the <laughs> so door. <much> table. <laughs> so we're sitting there it laughing. It wasn't even good. It was dry. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the pre-fixed menu, pre-fixed, they, had, they, they got had a lot them, going I on think they that had kitchen. them all lined up on a table and just as he went in the door, he just picked it up, came yeah. right out, back so out. So <laughs> we ordered dinner and my dad ordered a pork chop and my dad said, if that pork chop doesn't take at least 20 minutes to cook <laughs> it is a pre-cooked pork chop and yet i think less than 10 minutes that pork chop came, came out, out my pasta came out it was horrible yeah that yeah. night was not a good night yeah, that night eating. wasn't the best night no. at tutto italia but no. we've had many great meals at tutto italia as well yes. so if you do i go also home, have to tell you that tutto italia has changed hands a couple of times yeah it used to 
be owned by a restaurant that is run in New York and a couple of different places. Um, but it has changed hands. And I have to say the last few times that we have been there, it has all been very, very good. Yeah, um, for sure. Last few times, I really can't complain about any of the food that we've ordered from there. It's always been fresh. It's always been good. Mm-hmm. Um, everything there now. But like I said, they have changed hands over the years. Yeah. And yeah, this incident was years ago, yes. but it was still really funny. It was as we funny. Were we were hysterical. <laughs> yes. And I remember too, so I ordered pasta with manata sauce and I remember the spaghetti was in very short pieces and I was confused <laughs> and I realized like, oh, this is for like from the kids menu. Like Just, when children order it, the pasta can't be too long. <laughs> and because I'm an adult ordering this, I get the same thing that the children get and I love that. So, but yeah, that was some of the shortest little spaghetti pieces I've ever eaten yes. as an adult. Yes, <laughs> so, that was a funny night. I forgot about it. It was that. funny, that but was it was very good. Night. Yeah, the food was still good, but yes, you know, you know, just just be wary, I guess, if you ever go on one of those big nights when you know they're just busting well, people yeah, and any holiday in any restaurant in any city in any yeah, anywhere in the world, any place. So, you, you, yeah. you take your chances on a, on a holiday. Yeah, no. So that's the Italy pavilions. Yeah, this was again. This was really fun. I realized there's a lot of me just talking. And yeah, you well, know, Amanda's and in you charge know. of all the research. Yeah. Also, <laughs> if we're if we're being honest, this is the second time we recorded this podcast because <laughs> the first time my cat was being too destructive around us and we had to go put her upstairs and put her in my bedroom so that she couldn't come out. Couldn't come down. Yeah, so we lost a little bit of commentary for my mom when I first told her about some of these things. So I apologize about that. But yeah, it was just it was just becoming too much. But yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this deep dive into the Italy Pavilion. Again, we're going to do deep dives into all 11 pavilions. So let us know which pavilion you want us to do next. So yeah, Italy is one of our favorites, which is kind of why I started with Italy. Also, I had been to Italy before, which is kind of why I want to start with Italy. So I think some of the other pavilions that we're not as familiar with, I right. feel like we'll learn It'll a be lot interesting. from. interesting, right. We'll learn like, a lot. Like Francis, especially from Germany. Like, yes. you know, I, we never really walk into the Germany Pavilion, if we're being very honest. So but I think that will be quite interesting when we get to that one. But yeah, we'll definitely do them just whatever order we're not going in any specific order just like a you know random fun order maybe i'll like just flip a coin and pick the next one that way but yeah if there's one that you want us to do next definitely let us know on instagram you know our instagram is spaceship earth design and that also social media all across every single account is spaceship earth design we'll also have it linked in the description and make sure you give us a review on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you're currently listening you can listen to the mother daughter disney podcast on any platform the podcasts are available to and if it is not available on your preferred podcast platform definitely let me know because I'm still learning as we go. So I will add it to whatever podcast platform that we are able to. And yeah, let us know too if anything surprised you about the Italy Pavilion. I will have an Instagram post up on Spaceship Earth Design. So yeah, let us know in the comments of like anything that surprised you. Again, any other details that maybe I left out or something. Again, the the pavilions are so chock full of details. It's hard to really get to every single little detail. But this was really great to, to learn about Italy more and to spend some time in Epcot. So yeah, awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for listening. Okay. I'll see you next time. Yeah, next week in the See you real soon. <laughs>